0: Thing. Well, let's uh, turn our attention to the Word, talking this morning about a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I know we don't have all that much time left. I am going to go a little bit over time, but I ask just for your patience in that regard. Heavenly Father, I pray that as this Word, which I believe you've laid on my heart, is shared, I pray that you would bring the revelation and that the eyes of our hearts would be opened, and that we would understand what you are trying to say to us through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, just smile at the person next to you. Make sure they've still got both eyes open, please. Okay. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And... I really feel this is a special verse or passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10. Now, this is a passage which speaks about who we are in God. And I believe that as children of God, we need to understand who God has called us to be, who He has made us to be. A Christian that doesn't understand who they are in God and who they are in Christ is running at a half-mast kind of thing. But when we begin to get into the Word and understand the things that God says of us, and we begin to believe them and apply them to our lives, it changes our lives. And we move kind of from, if I could put it this way, from B-level to A-level in terms of our walk with the Lord. Now, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal Priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Isn't that lovely that God calls us special? Look at the person next to you and say to them, You're special. <laughs> his own special people. And it goes on, it says, That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Five aspects, five points that I want to look at relating to this passage of Scripture. Number one, simply, you are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. This is what God says to you today. Now turn to Romans chapter 8, please. As quick as you can. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 to 30. I want to show you something in terms of this. It says, Romans 8 verse 29, it says, whom, For whom He, this is God, for whom He foreknew, he also predestined. See the word predestined? It's an unusual word, one that we don't use ordinarily in our language. It's not like you get up in the morning and say, I was predestined to have a cup of coffee. But, it's a, but hey, some of us are predestined to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, in terms of understanding us being a chosen generation, we also have to understand how God has chosen us individually. Now, There is this thing called predestination. What does it mean? It means that God saw into the future and he saw whether or not each individual would either reject him or choose him. He saw into the future. He saw those that said, yes, And before they were even created, before the foundation of the world, He saw that. He had foreknowledge of that decision, and He chose us. It's all based on foreknowledge. Now, we don't have that ability. Sometimes we can have prophetic insights and so on, but it's God who knows everything. He knows the end right from the beginning. And He saw you, how you would one day in some time in 1997, how you would choose Him and that you would receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. And based on Him knowing that, ahead of time, foreknowledge, knowledge, He then chose you. And He said, okay, that's going to be a child of God. That's going to be my son. That's going to be my daughter. And together, all of those people made up the chosen generation. We are chosen by God. Now, I don't know if you can think back to when you were in school and they were you were on the sports field, imagine this with me, and now two teams were going to be selected. Let's say there's a group of 20 people and the coach comes along and he says, "Okay, you lead the one team, you lead the other team." And then one by one they begin to pick. I'll take you. 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 Now, I don't know where you were in the picking order when it came to school. Maybe this conjures up feelings of, oh, I was always last, you know. I had freckles all over and nobody wanted to choose me. Or, or maybe you were first because you were so athletic and so good at everything and sports and so on. Well, for me, I was kind of around more the middle. I wasn't the first. I wasn't the last. But if you ever got picked last, you know that that's no fun. That's just not fun. And you know what? It's so much nicer to be picked first. It's a privilege to be chosen first. You see, and that's what Jesus did. He chose you and me first. Together with all the other believers that would say yes to Jesus Christ, He chose us all first together, and there are no second choices when it comes to God. He chose us first together, knowing that we would choose Him. And He said, this is my people. This is my chosen generation. You are a chosen generation, chosen by God. Would you agree with me that that is a privilege? We are chosen by God. Secondly, you are a royal priesthood is what 1 Peter says. Now, royalty. Let's look at this for a moment. It speaks of royalty. You see, I I take it like this. If Jesus is the king, and you and I are his children, then that makes us king's kids. Now, In terms of this aspect of royalty, I'm not trying to be funny and and make it out to something that it's not. But actually, the Bible is saying this. The Bible is saying that you and I are a royal priesthood. The Bible is actually referring to us in association with our relationship with God, who is the King, and therefore, in our lives... There is a very real aspect of royalty in God's sight. You don't have to talk like the queen. But I tell you what, God has placed royalty upon your life. It's His choice, it's what He has done. And I want to say do you realize that God sees you as a priest? He sees you as a priest. Do you see yourself as a priest? You say, no, John, heck, I just work for Telcom. You know? I'm not a priest. You know? I want to tell you, God sees you as a priest. Now turn with me to Exodus chapter 19. Quickly, as you can. I want to hear pages rustling, please. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5 and 6. It says here, Now therefore, if you indeed, this is 19 verse 5, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be a kingdom of priests. Do you see that? God sees you as a priest and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, there's two aspects. There's royalty and there's priesthood. Royal priesthood. God sees you as royalty. He really does. What is the definition of royalty? It refers to kingship. It refers to the king and his family. A royal person. The rank status or power of a king or queen. Dignity, sovereignty, royal position, kingly position. So when God sees us as royalty and says we're a royal priesthood, there's a kingliness about us because there is a royal connection in our hearts because we're the sons and we're the daughters of God. And you know what? Sometimes we don't behave like royalty. But if you, think of, if you think of the royalty and the royal family, the British royal family overseas, if you think of the princes, Prince William and Prince Harry, there's certain places that they just don't go. Why? Because they know that they're better than that. They know that they don't go into slimy, grimy, bad places because they have been taught, they have been trained, I'm better than that. I'm better than that. I belong in environments where there's good things. And so to you today, I also say that, that when the enemy wants you to go somewhere that you shouldn't be going, you say, I'm better than that because I'm royalty. I'm better than that because I'm a priest before God. And I'm not going to get my hands dirty with that kind of stuff. I'm better than that. You are royalty. But in terms of a priesthood, it says that we are a kingdom of priests. I want to suggest, if you haven't looked at yourself as a priest, then you need to begin to see yourself as a priest before God. This is what God's Word says to you today. God sees you as a priest. Now, many years ago, the the church came up with an idea. They called it clergy and laity. The clergy would minister, they would preach, they would care for the people, And so on. The laity, you know what they would do? They would just pay the priest to do the work. And they would sit in the chairs on a Sunday. This was the concept. But you know what? It's not a concept that God wanted. It's not a concept that we see in the New Testament. And recently we've been talking about that kingdom lifestyle of the early church. I want to tell you, that early church did not operate like that with the clergy and the laity. But they understood that God was calling all of us, every one of us, to minister. And so this wasn't God's plan. But sadly, for many years, the church lived like this. But praise God, things are changing in this new generation that God is raising up. More and more, Christians are beginning to realize that, hey, God's called me to do something for his kingdom. God's called me to minister. It's not just up to the pastor to do this. And I also want to say that sometimes still in our modern concept, we have certain ideas of only the pastor can do this, only the pastor can do that. Some people might think, well, only the pastor can baptize me. Is that biblical? Come on, some of you actually struggling with that just a little bit if I if you're honest. You know what? Any believer in Jesus Christ can baptize somebody who's coming into faith in Jesus Christ. Oh. Sometimes. I've been called upon to go to a house, a newly acquired house of a person, to go and gooi die geeste uit. You know what I mean? My pastor, you understand? He was a starse hier He's so for us. All around the God of God and Buddha's up here. And and then you have to go to this house and you have to pray and You know, drive out any evil spirits and pray with the people and so on. It might sound funny, but but you know what? You can cleanse your own house. Thank you very much. You can cleanse your own house. Now, as the pastors, we're happy to come and be a blessing to you in that regard. But only if it's just to come and support you in doing that. Not it's because, okay, you stand back and you watch while we do it. And you watch his stuff flying out the windows and is he really a ghostbuster kind of thing. I tell you, God wants the ministry to be in the hands of every believer in Jesus Christ. And this thing of the clergy and the laity was not really God's plan. God wants you and I to be mobilized in the kingdom work. And you know what? I believe the greatest mobilization of the kingdom of God, the greatest end-time impact of the kingdom of God will be when every believer on the face of the planet begins to act like a minister unto God, begins to act like a priest unto God. The results will be incredible if we're not just leaving it up to my life group leader, my pastor, my shepherd, things like that. I want to tell you, sir, ma'am, you're a minister unto God. And in Hebrew, uh, Ephesians 4, I'll just read it, verse 11 and 12, it says, And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So, the pastor's job is to equip and train people for the work of the ministry. God has called you to be in the work of the ministry. And so a job of a pastor is to prepare people to do ministry. And we are living in the age of the priesthood of all believers. My dad used to say, a lot of the time, he used to say, we're all in the ministry. Won't you say that with me? We're all in the ministry. Stop looking to some spiritual hierarchy, you know, to do spiritual things all the time. It needs to be a case of you understand that when God looks at you, He says, this is a kingdom of priests. God looks at this auditorium today, and He's given us power and authority. We can cast out demons. We can baptize people. We can pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can do spiritual warfare even if your pastor ain't present. Say amen, would you? Number three, we are, sorry, you are a holy nation. God has given you the capacity to live a holy life. In 1 Peter 1 verse 15 it says, that he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy as I am holy. It would be unfair of God to expect of us something that we couldn't do. Something that we were incapable of. But we are capable. God says, be holy, as I am holy. And with that, He has given us the capacity by the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the world, you have the capacity to live a holy life. Don't believe when the devil tries to trap you, t- t- touch you on the shoulder, and say you just bad. <laughs> Don't believe that. Don't believe it when he tries to belittle you. Realise that God has given you the capacity to be holy. And the verse that we were reading just now says that God has called us out of darkness into His marvellous. Light. Why is God's light marvelous? Well, I'd like to say it's marvelous because it's so pure. It's so beautiful. It's so true. It's so right. As a comparison, maybe it would be like this. Coming out of darkness into light would be like living in a dungeon from birth until you're an adult. In a dungeon where there was no windows and where it was dark and depressing. And then one day, as an adult, you get set free from that dungeon at noon when the sun is shining bright on a beautiful sunny day. That's how it is coming into God's marvelous light. God has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light. From the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what is good and true and right. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. God's called us into the light, God's called us to live. As holy people. What does it mean? It means set apart. It means that we live differently to the way the world lives. It means that when you're in an environment where bribes are paid, that you are set apart, that you do things differently. It means when there is an environment of corruption, that you don't operate like that. It means that you are set apart. You do things differently differently. God says, you are a holy nation. Number four, you are God's own special people. Now, there is a scripture verse that we often use around the time of praying for a nation, and it's Second Chronicles 7, verse 14, which says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven... Forgive their sins and heal their land. Now, there's a little thing I'd like to highlight in that verse. It says, If my people who are called by my name. You know what? We are so special as children of God that we get to carry the name of God. We are called by His name. Do you know what? There's no other people group on the face of the earth that have the the privilege of being called by the name of the Lord Jesus. There's no other people group that have that privilege. You and I are called by His name. And you know, oftentimes we, we base our sense of value on our accomplishments. We base our sense of value on our success, our education, our connectedness in social status, but actually our value should come from being called by His name. Our value should come from being called a child of the Most High God. Whether you have a whole lot of education or whether you have very little education, that's not where your value comes from. God says you're a special people because... You are called by His name because you're His son and daughter. And so don't feel inferior because other people have other things of social ranking and status and so on. Just realize that you are God's own special person just because He says so, because He's declared it, because we are called by His name. And our value comes from that. The scripture in 1 Peter 2 says, Once we were not a people. What does that mean? It means a lack of identity. But now it says, it says that we are now the people of God. That is the highest and most wonderful identity. And so the church of Jesus Christ is a people. And we have the highest identity. And I want to say. That it's not a joke or, or, or something, you know, being cute when we say that we are special. But we are indeed, in God's sight, we are cherished. We are His own special people. Why don't you just point to yourself for a moment and say, I am special before God. I am special. Look at the person next to you and say, you are special. You are special. Now lastly, number five which deals with purpose. You are called to proclaim His praises. Because it says all these things, that we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people. So you're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. But then it goes into purpose. And it says, to proclaim His praises. Let me just read it to you. It says, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, you and I are called to represent Jesus in this world. You and I are called not to remain silent, but to proclaim. Proclaim has to do with living a certain life that speaks something. Proclaim has to do with the fact that we are living epistles, that we are living letters, that people are reading our lives. And so I trust that the way in which you are living your Christian walk is reading something to other people. People are reading you all the time. People at the office, they're reading you all the time. They're watching how you react when boss cancels the lunch break and says, hey, you've got to do this work now. He's watching that colleague in the office That lady in the office, they're watching how you respond. But you know what? The way in which you and I live has the ability of proclaiming something. Sometimes we don't even have to use words. But I want to tell you, God has caused us to be all these things so that we can proclaim His praises. In conclusion, I'd like to read this passage of 1 Peter 2 from the Message Translation. And it says this, Puts it nicely. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him. To tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something from rejected to accepted. Won't you stand, please, as we pray? Please don't leave at this point, except if you're part of the hospitality team. Just take the hand of the person next to you, would you? Lord Jesus Christ, as your sons, as your daughters, we just want to say thank you to you today for how privileged we are. Thank you that we are chosen. Thank you that we are royalty and priests before you. Thank you that you've said that we're holy. Thank you, Lord, that you've said that we are special. And we just want to take a moment to say, thank you, God, for who you have made us to be. Thank you for the privilege that we are called by your name. Lord, I thank you that with that comes the grace to live in a way that is honoring to you. Lord, our heart's desire is to live an honorable life. I pray that as we go out into this week ahead, that we would live for the honor of your name that we would live, I want to say that again, for the honor of your name, for the honor of your name, and that our lives would be like a wonderful sacrifice to you, declaring your praises. And Lord, now I speak your blessing over everybody here. I say, and just receive this blessing, I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his hand, his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you. you.